Hello and welcome to Starting Over with Shannon. This is a podcast about fresh starts, new chapters and embracing change and challenge to become a better version of ourselves and create a better world around us. I'm your host Shannon Jenkins and every week I'll be bringing you a different Starting Over story with tips on how to conquer life's difficulties to find greater joy, meaning and purpose. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode. Did I get you with the sex comment in the title? It always seems to be a winner when I do this. (laughs) But on this week's episode, we welcome experienced Australian sex and relationship therapist, coach, retreat host and author Jacqueline Hellier, who brings a really typical Aussie, no-nonsense, straight-talking approach to sex sexuality. And I loved it. In fact, I remember I came back from this retreat. I don't know if anyone had been following my Instagram post, but I went on this spiritual self-development retreat recently and we were doing a lot of work on masculinity and femininity and healing old wounds related to shame, which is actually really important in this conversation of sex and sexuality. And I remember coming home, well, actually, during one of those ex- those workshops, I had to get naked in front of a group of people. And I was so bloody nervous about that. Honestly, I didn't even know this was possible, but I was like sweating from my butt cheeks. I was so nervous. And I realized, oh my gosh, I had held so much shame and carried a lot of negative energy related to sexuality and I released a lot of that during the retreat and then came home and full-on had the best sex that I'd ever had and felt so liberated and free and I remember saying to my partner David like I'm really curious about tantra and different sexual practices to deepen the connection that we feel and I thought I'm seeing some benefits in this I'm sure you guys listening will as well so I was specifically seeking out somebody to speak on this topic and there I was doing my little google search and stumbled across Jacqueline there was an article which read sex as a spiritual practice and it made me laugh because she said I'm not advocating some hippie herbal version of sex here where it's all about worshipping the god or goddess in each other and dancing around in sarongs to Indian sacred chants, although that can be good too. This sex can occur anywhere, in a bondage parlour, for instance, or in a back alley up against the wall, or even a simple late night cuddle under the sheets. It's all part of a life lived in a heightened state of spiritual and sexual awareness and I read that and I was like yep this sounds like my kind of woman so needless to say she brings a lot of that dialogue to this conversation and the topics really are about how we can deepen our connection to both a partner but also to ourselves because often the public discourse around improving our sex life is often how to get kinkier, how to go further, be more adventurous but actually we omit all that is about going deeper and I really believe that that is the key to true fulfillment and also carrying that positive energy through to other areas of our life. 
So much of the conversation will be about clearing those negative energies and the barriers and blockages that really conceal our true sensual and sexual nature. And as Jacqueline says, we are hardwired for pleasure and sex in humans is a predominantly bonding rather than a reproductive function, unlike other mammals. But due to the stresses of our modern day life, our nervous systems are shot, we feel less than sexy, we're tired, we're not always calm and connected, not to mention the guilt and the shame that I was speaking about earlier. So a lot of this is about how we can sink into ourselves to be able to sink in to our partners, how we can make more space for special moments of connection, how we can quiet our minds and become more embodied the key role of safety, as sexy as that is, and where many of us may actually be going wrong with orgasms. I don't, didn't think I'd actually be saying that, but yes, I am. You heard that right. So with no further ado, here is the conversation with Jacqueline. Jacqueline, thank you so much for joining me today for another episode of Starting Over with Shannon. I'm very happy to have you here. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for inviting me. So I wanted to start with your transition into sex therapy, mm -hmm. actually. I read yeah. that you had done degrees in biochemistry and environmental yes. science. Then you had a successful career in environmental science and moved into this once obscure profession, which is now very common, that of life coaching, much to mm -hmm. the uh, credulousness of your, uh, your friends who said, what are you leaving a successful career for and moving into this? But you said that yeah. you felt as though you were being guided as such into mm. sex therapy. Mm. And I was wondering if you could explain a little bit that transition and what that felt like for you. So yes, I did have a successful other career, but it really wasn't my passion. And so after a while, I got strong enough and brave enough to stop that and take a risk in doing something that I actually felt passionate about. Also, I was working in the environment and I got disillusioned and I realised nothing wrong with the technology and the, the knowledge that we have. The problem was totally in people's minds and not having the will to do what was necessary. So apart from the fact that I'd always been interested in, you know, psychology and people and all that sort of stuff. So I changed. I was quite brave. Fortunately, I finished a job and had a bit of a, a little bit of a bonus that sort of carried me over. And and then I was like, do I do psychology? I already had a few degrees. Did I want to do another one? It was still very much at the time, it was at the turn of the century where psychology was very focused on rats and stats and very negative and putting people in boxes and uh, very about pathology. And I was always more interested in human potential. So I actually um, decided to do life coaching because it was very much focused on people's potential and the positive and so forth. So that was about 20 years ago. So I was doing that and that was going all fine. And then I wrote a book uh, in 2005, I think it was, about how to keep your sex life strong when you have children because I had three at that point. I just had a baby. I was quite his quite a funny story. I was actually out at a school function and all the parents were around and stuff. And sadly, there was um, a couple there where, where she sadly had lost her husband the year before and she was there with her new boyfriend. And everyone was going like, oh, enjoy it while it lasts, you know, blah, blah. And I just piped up with, oh, what do you mean? Simon and I are having the best sex we'd ever had. Um, and everyone sort of looked at me and a like. brave thing to say had, in a school meeting. I, I'd had a few wines. I'd had okay. a few wines. It was a, very, it was a very social thing and, you know, I was with yeah, a group yeah. of friends, right? Yeah. Oh, I love um, it. I mean. 
Yeah, yeah. And they were like, what? But you have three children. You have a baby, for heaven's sake. Like, how on earth could you be having any sex, let alone the best sex of your life? And I was like, oh, that's kind of kind of curious. Um, anyway, so I wrote this book and then my clients wanted to start talking about sex. And I realized that, you know, sex was a bit of a thing and I didn't feel totally qualified. So I did a master's in sexology to qualify me to be a psychosexual therapist. Um Around that time, my my marriage ended. So then I sort of started um, seeing other people and having some fun. And the responses that I was getting was like, well, this is kind of different with you. Like, well, what's going on here? Like, what is this? Anyway, around that time, um, I'd always been interested in spirituality. Some of my earliest memories as a little girl was doing yoga in, in front of the television. I'd been meditating regularly since I was 16 is when I first started learning. You know, so fast forward to um, I'm single and, uh, and I was sort of like, well, what, really my sex is different? Like what's different about it? And that's when I really sort of started reading a lot more around Tantra and our sexual practices. And it's like, oh, okay, well, I'm sort of doing that. Yeah. So I didn't sort of have a tantric teacher as such, but I'm, I got very interested and studied that and went back to the original sort of texts and so forth and realized that it was very much about having cleared a lot of blocks. Uh, we all carry sexual shame, guilt, fear, entitlement, all of these negative energies. It's impossible not to in our society. We live in a sexually dysfunctional society and we're all little microcosms of that. Um, but having done, you know, therapy and spiritual practices, having cleared all of those negative energies and being quite well versed in and practiced in mindfulness practices and being able to be very present and embodied um, is, is the essence of what tends to be called the tantric approaches or the Taoist approaches and so forth. Um, so that very much became a part of the way I did my my sexological practice. I am this is my room, my clinic, uh, psychosexual therapist, clinical sexologist, whatever you want to call us. And then more recently, I did a master's degree in consciousness, spirituality, and transpersonal psychology, because I really wanted to get go deep academically, intellectually, and in how do we take these ancient concepts and articulate them in a modern way that resonates with a modern audience and that is as grounded as possible in the science and in the therapeutic knowledge that we have these days rather than just being a bunch of hippie trippy people going oh it's tantra and not actually doing what is the core of you know these spiritual approaches to sexuality yeah so what changed for you then personally with moving into sexology in in comparison to what you were doing before did you feel like okay this is a calling I'm feeling well in myself there's something that's just right yeah. about this I can't put my finger on it yeah totally yeah, yeah it just felt really aligned yeah. like I just hadn't felt fully aligned in what I'd been doing in the past you know it sort of fit in with what was you know society's norms about what you should be doing even if it was a bit of an unusual area of the environment but you know I was going well in it just didn't feel aligned. But when I moved to this area, and interestingly, I think my marriage ending had to be part of that alignment because we weren't aligned fully yeah. in, in terms of life purpose and values. It just, it also just opened up my life. You know, I just started meeting like really amazing people and having amazing experiences and, you know, the work the work is fantastic. And, you know, in fact, when I was just doing the, the life coaching, I was getting a bit frustrated because I wanted to do transformational work. 
But what I was doing was I was getting people who were sort of a bit like me. They either were struggling with the 30s, you know, 30-somethings with children and, you know, careers, or people who wanted to change career, which is what I'd done. And, you know, that was all good and important, but it didn't feel transformational. But once the universe headed me in the direction of sexuality um, and relationships, like I do everything to do with sex, love and intimacy, once I did that, yeah, like... It's like the whole gears of the universe shifted and it's kind of like, here you go. Um, And it's never easy. Being aligned doesn't mean life is like, oh, everything's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's always challenges, but you can meet them and go with them. And that's what's really beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I had the same thing even with starting this podcast. I felt like there were some doors that were closing and then somehow this sort of presented itself. And that doesn't mean that I... (laughs) don't experience challenges in doing this I absolutely do but there's something Mm. that's underneath it's like but this is right and it almost gives me this more courage I would say Mm -hmm. to uh, more courage and more motivation to traverse the difficulties because I might know but I think I'm on the right path here keep moving forward yeah yes absolutely yeah I'm curious to say about like the personal transformation element in what you do for your work and obviously you're witnessing that in your clients I guess that's what also is rewarding about what you do Can you paint me the picture of what you see as a collective starting over in the personal transformation linked to sexuality? What do you see are blockages and what can change? Yeah, look, we've had about 5,000 years of the patriarchal systems. I don't blame men for that. Like everyone gets controlled and suppressed under patriarchy except a few elites. Um, and in that time, we suppressed sexuality and in particular, we suppressed female sexuality. Sex was seen as, you know, an unfortunate thing people kind of had to do to procreate. Uh, women didn't have sexual needs or interests. God forbid if they did, we tended to stone them to death, call them a witch and burn them alive or lock them up in insane asylums. Men were allowed to kind of have their needs as long as over there, you know. So we had the dichotomy of the good girl and the bad girl. Um, but you know, yeah. sex was just seen as bad, right? We raised our girls to know nothing about sex until on their wedding night, it would be, well, darling, <laughs> you're economically dependent on this man for the rest of your life. Men have their needs to make sure they're met, pump out a few airs along the way. The boys, well, they didn't know any better, except basically they'd been masturbating all their lives. So instead of doing this with their hands, they could do this inside of a nice warm vagina, right? <laughs> so that became sex, right? And then if we fast forward to the sexual revolution and the opening up of sexuality in the West sort of towards the end of last century, it was kind of like we just gave all of this permission without any understanding of what sex and sexuality is, what is healthy, what's good, what's right, what's wrong, how to negotiate, how it changes over a lifetime, what do we do if we're not feeling, you know, nothing. Just suddenly like, nope, sex is good, yay, let's do it. And that came along at a time with when technology also enabled a lot of, you know, like porn just went out of control um, and just really highlighted a very juvenile, unevolved version of sexuality, um, which just sort of bought into everybody's lack of knowledge, lack of understanding. I mean, even now I'm always asking people, hello, you know, did your mum teach you about your clitoris? 
hello, did your father teach you how to negotiate, you know, sexuality? Did I mean, even that no. makes me cringe hearing that. I'm like, did my mum no, teach you? nothing. Hell no, she didn't. Jesus, my mother didn't even like me to see her naked. That was like a privacy yeah. thing. I really, yeah. 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 So we throw our young people into sexuality with no knowledge, no guidance. What? And we think that's going to work out well. And then we take those teenage fumblings as the basis of our sexuality for the rest of our lives. Yeah. No wonder most people have pretty awful sex lives. Yeah. I mean, when you say it like that, that, (laughs) well, yeah, yeah. it's absurd. It is totally absurd, right? When it's something that actually we evolved to be sexual as humans because, well, partly because we've got big brains, big skulls, we've got to give birth very early. And our infants are so helpless that the female couldn't look after the kids on her own, unlike other mammals, right? You don't need fatherhood in other mammal species. But with humans, there's evolutionary pressure for the dads to hang around to make sure the young survive, right? Because they're pretty intense human infants. And so we learnt to bond and connect and become this very social species. And the theory goes, and I like this theory, that sex became part of that because it feels good and it, when it's done from a good place, it's all the happy hormones flow, the oxytocin, we feel good, we loved up. It's kind of like the healthiest thing you can do when it's coming from a good place and engaged in, in a positive way. Yeah, so like sex in humans is actually not a reproductive function primarily. It's a bonding function. Yeah. But we get so little information or support in our society about how to make our sexuality a positive bonding thing. Yeah. Yeah, and absolutely. It's either, yeah. It's either some kind of boring, dry clinical thing, like, you know, are your genitals functioning? Oh, jolly good. Get on with it. Or it's like, well, aren't she full on like porno? Um, and look, I mean, being full on and wild and crazy, yeah, if that's what's manifesting, great. But it's you don't see how to get there. You don't see all the good loving stuff. Absolutely. You're pointing to a really important omission, which is kind of useful and functioning sexual education, even as even yes. in youth, in, edu- in, in schools. I mean, I think of dreadful things like some horrible old batty lady saying, what sex word do you know? And everyone just shouting out like, penis, wet dream, vagina, and it being the most mortifying, horrible thing. There was nothing about the art of connection or what is pleasure. Yes. How can you give or receive yes. pleasure, which by the way, yes. we're hardwired for that. That is... Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and it's completely it's completely missing. So, yeah, love your point about yeah. the teenage fumblings continuing on until at some point we go, gosh, I'm really not satisfied in this area. Like, what can I do about that? And maybe that's when we start asking a few more questions. Absolutely. Like so often people come to see me and they say, I don't like sex. And when I ask them to describe their sexual experience, I'm like, I'm not surprised. I wouldn't like sex either if that was my experience. <laughs> it's like being fed gruel every night and thinking I don't like food. Like, No, yeah. the food's terrible. Of course you don't. Yeah. yeah. So you wrote that we are only now starting to see sexuality as a fundamental part of ourselves as integrated, holistic, transpersonal beings. And I think this, can you elaborate a little bit more on that idea about seeing that in its holistic manner? Yeah, absolutely. Like we know that 
you know, the more holistic people, I was sort of more aware of the link between, you know, the body and the mind and then bringing in our emotions and so forth. But, you know, our sexuality is part of that as well. And in fact, if anything, the sexuality is at the base of it, right? So uh, the ancient traditions, particularly like the, this comes from the Taoists, they saw the, the sexual energy as the life force energy so that the sexual energy creates life. And if you think about it, sex is a procreative energy. It is for creation. It is for the creating of offspring. But more importantly, it is for the creating of our life, right? So when you start to see the sexual energy is down in the pelvis, it's like really at our base, as a life force that travels upwards and nourishes us and keeps us vital and youthful and engaged and so forth, then that is a very healthy, positive way of looking at our sexuality, right? But for the last number of millennia, we didn't see it that way. And, and even now it's seen as sort of this biological thing and sexual energy is thought of as horniness. Are you horny or not? You yes, know? exactly. Are, are you feeling aroused? And like, no, that's a physiological function. Like actual sexual energy, sexual flow is much more of an inward and upward type of a thing. It's very much us being engaged with life and being engaged with vitality, right? And so that's also about like being engaged with nature, being engaged with creative practices and, you know, having a lifestyle that in enables this, this sexual life energy to flow. But so many modern Westerners are totally cut off. They're often cut off at the head, you know, like where these heads walking around on a body where sort of stuff happens down there, right? <laughs> um, and we're not actually fully connected no. with the entirety of our body and including and particularly with the, with our sexual area, with like the lower chakras and and that, that's where we store our deep emotions and you know, traumas trapped down there and stuff. So often what we're doing is we're just kind of squashing more and more stuff down there, which makes it harder and harder to connect to. Mm. And then our experience of sex, we just see it as this behavioral thing and, okay, we have a nice little orgasm and, you know, tick, that's all done, you know, rather than <laughs> when you can engage with like the fullness of your being when two humans come together, right, in love preferably, at least in respect. I mean, you can do this with people you're not in love with, but, you know, this love and this respect and this appreciation of two humans who are coming together and, and there's a, a sacredness, there's a sanctity to that, mm. right? And there's a beauty and you can open up, you, yeah. know, you open up your heart and then if you are engaging in you know, genital intercourse, for instance, you know, the woman invites in the man and she holds him, right, and he feels safe and held and it really it opens up these energies that can flow through both your bodies. They're very cleansing they're very inspiring. <laughs> and would you say that's something that can endure? So not only, let's say, in the bedroom or wherever we are having sex, but that is an energy yes. that if we connect to that and let yes. that flow freely through our body, that could impact us in other areas of our life? Well, totally. Like sex is not just something that happens when we bring our genitals together. Like I say, it's all sex and sometimes it gets genital, right? When we start connecting with this vital energy, then it's flowing through our life all the time. And you can actually tap into it. Like if you're feeling a bit flat or down, like allow the energy to flow. And then if in a relationship, when a couple are allowing this energy to flow within them, and then they merge it with the love energy that they feel for this other person, 
it makes the it brings a vitality um, to the love energy that makes it really potent, right? So it's not like oh, I love you. It's I love you, right? Like yeah, yeah. Oh, there's a frisson, there's a potency, and when couples are sharing this. And you do it in all sorts of little ways, you know, little kindnesses, little comments, being romantic, being flirty, being outright sexy and raunchy, if that's what it's coming to, but you're not going to start there. Um, then, then you're sharing this energy between each other and that keeps you connected and loved up. At a most basic level, it makes you feel safe and connected, makes you yeah. feel secure, right? Yeah. That's, I mean, bizarrely, sex is all about making us feel safe and secure, right yeah I was actually yeah, gonna come on and ask about, about you that yeah because you said like okay this is the least sexy subject but it is so key and that is safety and how do we yeah. feel safe why is that yes. important because we cannot connect with another person if we don't feel safe right our defenses are going to be up our nervous system is going to be on guard and just at a practical level we can't become aroused if we're in the threat situation right? We just can't. If we're stressed, we literally cannot become aroused, right? Our nervous system is ancient. Our nervous system does not know whether we're feeling stressed because there's a saber-toothed tiger about to leap out of us or because your partner's looked at you in a certain way and given you the nudge, right? Your body goes, ah, right? And if it was a saber-toothed tiger, the last thing you want to do is become sexually aroused. I mean, what a waste of resources that are supposed to be there to fight or flight, yeah. And we do the same thing in the everyday when something is triggering us to be stressed, our body is certainly not going to become aroused, right? No. And then more importantly, even if that does happen, if we're not that stressed, we can't open up and be vulnerable, not in this like really pure, open, genuine way. We'll put on a front, we'll go through the motions, yeah, we might have our little orgasm, you know, we might, you know, tick each other's boxes and, you know, done. But that is not a deep, beautiful, connecting, life-enhancing experience. That's a duty or a getting off. Look, there's a place for that. I'm not saying every every sexual experience has to be, like, amazing. But and that's why people get bored with it and give up. Like, it's just not much in it for me. Yeah. Like, ugh. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think there's also it's we, we know that it's so hard to be vulnerable, even if there's so much dialogue now, especially people listening to this kind of podcast, they will be very familiar yes. with mm -hmm. the importance of vulnerability, but actually taking the leap to feel that to be in that space to put mm. yourself out there to your partner and w when you could possibly be rejected or mm. unwanted or shamed or whatever mm. like all of that is mm. really really terrifying are there any ways yes. that you would suggest at least in the first instance going back to what you said about nervous system regulation and how mm -hmm. important mm. that is to be in a calm centered grounded safe place what would you yes. suggest that people can do to bring themselves into that space yes well look there's a couple of things and I want to address both of them so first what I want to talk about is actually talking about sex in the everyday talking about sex like it's a normal part of life that's effectively what I help people do and generally they're like hey we're good now because we can talk about this freely amongst ourselves and you've given us some really good concepts as well right? If you can't talk about sex in the everyday, then of course, in the moment, it's going to be unknown, right? I, I use a lot of food analogies because we're really good at talking about food, right? 
you probably have a very, very good understanding of what your partner's food tastes are, you know, what they like, what they don't like, whether they tend to have a big appetite, et cetera, et cetera, right? You know all of that. But also in the moment, you'll say, what are you in the mood for for dinner tonight, darling? How hungry are you? So you have sort of this general knowledge about your partner, but you're also curious about how they're feeling in the moment. We need to do that with our sexuality. We need to talk about it in the everyday so we know how we're feeling, how we're going, you know, if we've got any ideas, any fears, any concerns, so that we get better at just chatting, right? And that could be like and going to dinner in, with a cup of coffee. That's like not Yeah, absolutely. The bed. Walking yeah. the dog. Yeah, yeah absolutely, right? Um and then we also need to be good at in the moment of being able to share, well, where, where am I at? Where are you at? And so what you're doing, rather than thinking of sex as a sort of this linear process where there's a green light at the beginning, shall we have sex, yes or no, it's just like, no, it's just a moment-by-moment moment co-creation. And so you will start with what feels right in that moment, which very often is a nice chat, Right. Or, you know, I'm a big fan of sitting on the bed with the lights low and the music on and just gazing into each other's eyes or holding your hands or going into a hug. What you need to do, like, downregulate your nervous system so that you can do what I call sync in, S-I-N-K, to sync in, S-Y-N-C. So you need to sync into yourself, get embodied, get present. Here I am. And from there you can sync, S-Y-N-C, synchronize with your partner. And in that space, you can have a little chat. What are you feeling like? Oh, you're beautiful tonight. Should we start with a kiss? Or, oh, how about a massage? Or would you like to join me for a shower? Whatever it happens to be, or just a nice conversation. Like for many, 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 many people, foreplay is a conversation. Like have a nice conversation. You don't need much else. Like mm. connecting at the mind, that opens up the heart, which then allows, you know, genitals yeah. to open up. See, I'm thinking about what you said before about sexual energy being a life energy and how the reality yes. I'd argue for the vast majority of us is that we are the walking heads as you described. We mm. feel the yes. vast majority of our energy internally in and around our head, our brain, and we don't mm. get connected to that lower part. So I think for somebody mm. perhaps not knowing what it means to actually do that, all these middle bits before sex, before sexual intercourse mm. or even foreplay, for example, yes, yes. feel like yep. they don't know how to be in that space. It's either nothing or it's like, okay, we're having sex now. And it's not everything in between and not feeling comfortable at having that in-between space. But actually, I, I love what you're describing here. And in many respects, it's, when people speak about it's sex. It's all about the in-between. It's yeah. all about the in-between. I mean, I often joke that I shouldn't be called a sex therapist. I should be called a getting to sex therapist. Because that's where people struggle. Okay, tell me about yeah. the in-between. Because I think that this is so key for even people thinking about sex as a spiritual practice or people mm. with a curiosity about Tantra. It's all about this mm -hmm. in-between space, right? Setting the environment around yes. us and internally as well. Yeah, yes. And so, yes, you can make your be bedroom a beautiful place, a very relaxing place where you can connect. But it starts the moment you wake up. It starts the moment you wake up, you see your partner, I mean, assuming you're in a relationship and you're like, good morning, darling, how did you sleep? In that moment, you were sharing that energy I was talking about, right? And then throughout the day, you, you cup of tea, sweetheart, you know, have a lovely day. Oh, how was your day? Here's a little sweet emoji at the end of my text message, right? Then, you know, when they come home, you want to take that moment to greet them, even if you're busy, like hug. 
ah, hug to relax. You're home. You know, we're back together again. Like recharge me, especially if you've got kids because the next few hours are going to be full on, right? Mm. And then you have to create spaces in your life to connect. You know, maybe you've finished dinner and I always advise everyone have dinner at the table, not in front of the television. You know, if you have kids, they might go off after dinner, stay and have a cup of tea and a chat for 10 minutes. Or maybe the kids are down, right? It's like, oh, hey, you know, high five, go us. Kids are down. Darling, how are you going? Like, let's just have a glass of wine or a cup of tea. So you're actually taking the time to connect, to know each other. Now, in that, there might be that you want to have some me time as well, which is totally fine. You know, a lot of people at the end of the day, they're like, oh, I'm exhausted. So rather than just vegging out in front of the television, which is actually not going to make you feel any better, go and have a bath, read a book for half an hour, have a little walk, you know, put the, put music on instead of the TV and just, you know, kick back and have a chat, hmm. right? Just break out of this habit that we all have is putting on the television or, you know, other screens, you know, now the, you know, now we're on our phone and our laptop and the television and couples wonder why they're not connect, feeling connected and don't want to have sex. Like sex doesn't come from nowhere. It's not just about randomly getting horny and hoping that you're both randomly horny at the same time. You know, like the <laughs> so lust true. does not just descend, right? It is created. You have to cultivate the kind of relationship that actually cultivates desire and from that you then cultivate arousal and i think there yeah. is something towards you know building habits about making space in your day to actually connect yes. and doing that from a yes. place of love and feeling yes. and not like i say mm. i love you and give you a peck on the lips before you leave mm. to go to work out of habit but there was nothing you really got from that because you weren't mm. truly exactly. connecting i mean i know one thing mm. for me i don't know I'm not exactly sure of the science to back this up, but I did read somewhere that we should be having full belly hugs. So not yes, just kind of yes. around the shoulders, but actually connecting yes. and allowing yourself to feel your heart or your breath at the same time. And yes. even if that's like one minute yes. or even 30 seconds, yeah. like all those yeah, moments even count. Seconds, yeah. Even five, yeah. you know, like, yeah. And a lot of that is about, you know, bringing your awareness in inwards, right, which is why a, whole, a lot of, Personal um, spiritual or mindfulness type practices are really helpful, not on their own. But, you know, if you do meditate, if you do have mindfulness practices, if you do take the time to, to be in your body, right, and I'm talking about embodied mindfulness practices, not just, you know, I'm off trying to transcend the physical into some weird spiritual reality. You know, it's just like, no, I, I'm, I'm incarnate in the physical, so I'm getting present in the physical right? So that when you do come to your partner, yeah, you can feel the kiss, even if it is just a peck, even if you just have a few moments, because, you know, we don't have a lot of time. If the two of you are doing that very present, then you feel it. Mm. And with that feeling, that's when you get the happy hormones flowing and, you know, positive energies and all sorts of good stuff starts happening. And the same as we get closer to a sexual experience, you know, we've got to be present. We've got to be embodied. We've got to know what we're feeling and connecting with our partner. Mm. Could you describe, this might be quite difficult, but describe what it is to feel embodied energetically. Because I think when we're, when we're so stuck in our heads, so many of us, we don't mm. really know what it feels like to feel this life energy that you described that we bring that travels upwards and we bring out to what we do in action. 
so it's well it is a little bit hard to describe but like for a start you don't have that busy 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 mind all the time right now i'm not going to be absurd and say that you switch your brain off because of course you don't switch your brain off but when you're in a state when your nervous system is in balance so that our autonomic nervous system has our upregulated sympathetic and our downregulated parasympathetic when they're in in evenness it's called vagal tone we have a feeling of what's called alert relaxation right the buddhists call it equanimity i like to call it alert relaxation and physically and mentally so our mind is alert like we're engaged with what's going on but it's also relaxed so you don't have that endless chatter going on and similarly our bodies are alert but they're not tense they're just alert but relaxed not sort of falling asleep yeah so the spine's strong but the muscles are relaxed and in that state you're very much connected throughout the whole of your body and we know that like about 80% of the input into the brain comes from the bottom up like we actually know now that there's a lot of little brains throughout our body um one around the heart one in the gut one in the pelvis and that the whole nervous system gets information stores information stores memories makes decisions and sends that information up to the brain to process right so when we're not in touch with the totality of our physicality our brain's lacking 80% of the information it needs so no wonder it just spins and spins and spins trying to make sense of everything with just way too little data so when we can drop into our body and a lot of that is you know breathing practices that help us breathe kind of deeper like into our bellies more when we've got this awareness of deep into our pelvis then it just feels like there's this beautiful flow inside your body and you start you're more intuitive like you don't have to sort of do the intense cogitation to try and figure stuff out it's like it's kind of like there um and more so and that's i think when life becomes more aligned and more intuitive and feels more flowing yeah absolutely i'm thinking one thing that i have personally found useful to cultivate this bodily self-awareness not only self-awareness about behaviors mm. is body scan meditations i don't know whenever i do this yes, like, i didn't right. even know i could possibly yeah. be tensing my jaw in this place and frowning here and you know and then you yeah. actually doing that walking through your body and feeling different parts of your body like wow i'm so out of touch okay i actually am tense i didn't think i was tense but i was like Ugh. Yes. i was operating on this didn't really realize it so yeah I find yeah. body scans quick body scans can be a good way to go and that could even be yeah. something would you suggest that people do in bed you know if that is a precursor it's the kind of best kind of foreplay like to actually yes. ensure yes. that you're going to feel more and that that energy can travel and when you have an orgasm it's not just like localized in this area it's something that mm. fills you up with love Yes. Yeah. Body scans are wonderful. You can do it in the shower as well. You know, like when you're washing yourself down, like actually be present to the part of the body that you're touching. Mm. You know, you can do it with your partner, you know, like touch each other and bring your awareness to where you're being touched, you know, like all of these sorts of things help. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Mm. So I want to talk a little bit about blockages that we have because mm. it's such a key thing what you're saying about us carrying shame and so on around sex and being free in this place to be able to embody the true essence that we are. So I wanted to start with yes. a 
quote from Iranian poet Rumi. By the way, I don't mm. read Iranian poetry in my free time. I think I probably stumbled across this uh, quote on Instagram somewhere. Oh, but Rumi's anyway. fantastic. Read him. He's beautiful. I was like, beautiful who is poetry. this? I keep loving Rumi quotes. And then I had a Wikipedia page of 15th century poetry or something. I was like, oh, okay, no. <laughs> but the quote was, or is, your task is not to seek for love, but merely to seek and find all the barriers within yourself that you have built against it yes boom Rumi love it you're like eternal wisdom right there right Mm -hmm. Mm. what are some of the barriers that you have witnessed in your clients yes so there's still a lot of shame around sometimes it's around you know that sex is bad and I shouldn't like sex or you know shame that my body doesn't look the way it should or that my genitals don't look the way they should or sort of smell funny or whatever taste funny so that's always in there and look you can't grow up female in our society and not have some body shame like we are brought up to be ashamed of our bodies right so we all have to do quite a lot of work, you know, awareness to learn to love our bodies regardless of how they are, right? And to move more towards, it's a freaking miracle that I exist. Like, oh my God, like this incredible vehicle that's taking me through life and, you know, it's lovely soft skin and it's nice teeth or whatever your thing is rather than focusing on, well, I don't look like those airbrushed models on Instagram and, you know, learning to love what we have because it doesn't get any better. We all get older and it does get saggy and wrinklier and grey hair and, you know, you've got to learn to love all of that. In fact, I think that's part of what we need to do in society as well is, you know, embrace ageing and, you know, elderhood and stuff. But that's probably a bit of another topic, but it is relevant to all of this because so much of our sexuality and what we think we should look like, particularly women, is this youthful, you know, virginal, not, necessarily particularly strong or assertive sort of a thing is what the ideal female is and and I think a lot of us are very confused especially the young ones I see because you know all the young ones are growing up with social media and they're kind of like on the one hand we're being educated to be independent and strong and ourselves and yet all these images we're getting are telling us the opposite and you'd be surprised at how many influencers got their start on OnlyFans and while I'm all for women, if you choose to do sex work, that's fine. But if they're the ones who become the influencers, then you're kind of like, hello, what sort of messaging are we giving to young people? Um, so, yeah, sort of shame is a lot of that. Then there's fear. Um, again, there's a lot more of that these days because so many young people are growing up watching porn as their first uh, exposure to sex where they see way more than they should. So, I mean, that in itself is a sexual trauma, that young people are being exposed to sex and all sorts of sexual stuff too early and then thinking that's what they're supposed to do. I mean, geez, I'm glad there wasn't, you know, online porn around when I was young. I mean, that would be terrifying. (laughs) We just had to fumble around and figure it out. But so, you know, like there's a lot of fear or there's fear that I'll be judged, that I'm not going to be good enough or that I won't know what to do or, you know, so there's all that sort of fear as well guilt like should I be thinking this should I be wanting this I don't know if I should or not and then you've got entitlement as well a lot of people are very entitled that I should get this or I shouldn't get you know um, which I think is just as negative an emotion as the other ones 
Yeah. Mm. I I think you're pointing something so relevant here and saying like, how should I do this? And people saying, do, 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 do. And so much is focused yeah. on performance. On and performance. Never, right. And like this kind of either performance of how am I going to be, or even just a commodification, yeah. objectification, yeah. kind of hedonistic style yeah. sex. Like I've got to get this or mm. do this. And that I feel mm. like cuts us off from all of that in between that middle ground that you're saying, yeah. you know, which yeah. is the essence of where we should be focusing on not like just chasing a, a physiological fix of an orgasm and boom you're finished or the mental mm -hmm. kind of they're hot sure let's let's see where this goes yeah. yeah yeah and a lot of people you know when a client of mine um actually no someone at a, at a retreat said that um you know like god i was on a hedonistic treadmill right like where was it going to end i was just kind of craving more and more and more that it had to be more and more bizarre you know where was going to end you know with three dildos up my nose and ten up my ass kind of thing you know like where does this end <laughs> yeah <laughs> but we are you know like we're good little capitalists and we've all been brought up to want more want more want more want more and we do that with our sexuality as well you know like this can't be good enough there's got to be more there's got rather than understanding that actually you're going to find the, the more yes there is more but the more's not out there the more is in here mm. and in the between. That's yeah. where you find the more and the more is the a, a more of a savouring and a, a beauty. And yeah. from that, yeah, look, the behaviours you engage in, sure, you want to have a dungeon in your basement or go off to a swingers club, fine. It's not about what you're doing, right? When I talk about this kind of, of um, sexuality, I'm not saying it all has to be, you know, vanilla and super simple necessarily, it's not about the what, it's about the why and the how. So if you're coming together and engaging in this very present, aware, positive intention, it, it doesn't matter what you're doing so much, mm. right? It has to be consensual. But I think it goes a lot beyond just consent. It goes beyond what am I, what am I consenting to? What am I wanting here? Like what is this in this moment, right? Yeah. And from that you know, you can play like sex is playtime for grown-ups. You want to bring in some toys or dress up or whatever, like fine. Right. Yeah. But if you start there, it's going to be empty. Yeah. I mean, I know that from a personal experience or also with the conversations with my friends so much has been like, okay, I have a partner and we want to spice things up. So they feel mm. like they've got to go kinkier. And actually so yes. much of it is about deepening that connection. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and then if you want to buy a toy or go to a swingers club, great. You know, there's nothing wrong with that, but it's certainly not something that you need to do. And very often the more people get into this type of sexuality, paradoxically, the less they feel like doing that out there stuff because they just find so much richness in just what's what's happening between them. Yeah. Would you encourage your clients to be aware of the underlying emotion that is motivating them? Because I'm yeah, thinking... Absolutely. Yeah, I'm thinking like, let's say, you know, your partner suggests doing this one thing, you're not really sure if you want to do it, but you engage in it out of fear mm. of losing them or not having a connection. You know, something like that. I think yes. it's actually yep. so important to look at the emotions involved. Oh, absolutely. And this is why I say it's so important that you can talk about these things in general and in the moment, right? Let's say, and we'll use the swingers club example, right? Because it does come up. You know, if your partner says to you, you know, when you're going for, when you're walking the dog, hey, sweetheart, look, this thing that's come up for me and I'm not sure how you're going to take it, but I really wanted to talk, to, talk about it with you because, and, you know, I'd like to go to a swingers club. And if as a couple you can talk about, oh, 
what why you know why does that appeal to you and you know what your fears are what your hopes are when you can really it's no different than if you said you know I don't know if you're into this but I'd really like to go hiking in the Himalayas right the partner might be like whoa where'd that come from I don't know that I want to go hiking in the Himalayas but tell me more about it darling you know it's exactly the same with sexual things and then in the moment if you've talked about it and your partner's like so here we are at the front door of the swingers club, it's kind of like, oh, well, how am I feeling about this? Or if it's a new position in the bedroom or a toy or just having sex with the lights on or whatever the thing is that you're pushing your boundaries on. Yes, you want to have talked about it really thoroughly beforehand. And then in the moment, you need to be attentive to what you're feeling and what your partner's feeling. If it's going well, great. But if it's like, oh, I don't feel comfortable or I really need to stop, totally honor that. Before we finish up, I want to mention a little bit about solo sex because I think a lot of this has been focused yes. on couples and some people are yes. not going to be in a relationship. But either what are, what are some things that people can do to start being more connected to themselves sexually so that they will be in a place oh, yes. that they will have an authentic sexual connection with the right person at the right time? Yes. Yes. So I am a huge fan of solo sex. I think it's a wonderful thing to do. And I really encourage you when you are engaging in solo sex or self-pleasuring, as I like to call it, that you do it as though you literally are making love, but you're making love to yourself, right? So make it a lovely event. Like you might want to have a bath first or have a nice shower and rub beautiful oils all over your body and, you know, play some music and dance because no one's watching. You know, like you really want to get this embodied sense going or you might want to meditate for a little while but let your body move as you're breathing you know like just really start getting into that sense of I'm going to let my body respond in whatever way it wants and I'm in tune to what what's going on in here responsive to it um, and then if you want to um, actually get genital as well then you know you might want to recline on the bed and sort of feel your skin like really just taking the time to like honoring your body like this is mm, you know my breasts if you're female like this is a lovely and then when you feel like you want to um, you know engage with your genitals wonderful but you know like take your time right don't, don't just go off to a quick orgasm you can. You want a quick wank, have a quick wank. But what I'm talking about here is more, you know, a cultivation of, of, a, of, a, of an awareness and a self. And you find that, you know, as you reach orgasm, you know, just kind of take your time. So it goes more slowly. So you're not sort of getting all that tension in your body. You want to learn how to have an orgasm through like an opening and a release rather than a tense tightening and then a pushing out sort of a thing. Yeah. Um, this right. applies to, you know, any gender. Yeah. Um, right. And and sort of increasing arousal and then letting it go. It's like you're really play, literally playing with yourself and learning to savour the arousal and what you're feeling and, and so forth. And mm. this applies, as I said, either gender. And you can also take this approach when you're playing with your partner as well. Yeah. And I guess also yeah. it, you would say that that would be a good thing to do, even if you're in a partnership. I know your partner goes yeah, away yeah, for the weekend absolutely. and you're like, right, I'm going to have my glass of wine, put my music on, my candles. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. In fact, no, don't wait till your partner's gone away. Just say, darling, I'm having a private moment upstairs. You know, like, seriously, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think we should be this comfortable with with our sexuality mm. and then when you when you've when you've made love to yourself in this way and if you have had an orgasm you know you can you can just sort of like imagine that you're breathing that lovely energy all through your body 
And look, particularly if you're female, you can do this many times over and over again. We're very lucky. We can have many orgasms. Yes, I can attest. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, that's uh, one excellent thing about being a female. I will say that. Oh, there's many, many excellent things about female sexuality. (laughs) When you get in touch with it, it, sorry, guys, but it's way better than male sexuality. (laughs) So we've got to get in touch. Yeah. So wrapping up here, I was wondering if you could yeah. share an anecdote or two from, I know you host a lot of retreats is both in Sydney and in Bali about some yeah. standout personal transformations that you've seen in people or a moment that has been like a breakthrough moment for them. Oh, look, there was one just a couple of weekends ago when I was running a weekend retreat just in the mountains outside Sydney here. And there was a woman and she was very like she didn't want to be there and you, know, you could tell she was a very tense kind of a person. And it was on the Sunday morning, so the morning of the third day, and we went around the group and everyone was just sort of saying where they're at and stuff. And she said she actually looked different. You often see people's faces changing. It's really interesting. And she looked like, you know, way younger and softer and she said I had a shower this morning and then I was just putting moisturizer on my legs and she said and I felt this extraordinary sense of calm and she said as soon as I felt that I actually automatically went to push it away because it felt so unnatural and then she's like but then I just let it stay and I just stayed with that feeling and it's such a lovely feeling and I still have this feeling a couple of hours later and she said and it's all to do with everything that we've been doing because we do a lot of personal breathing and stuff but the interactions with the partner that they just and she said I feel totally transformed she wrote to me a week a bit later on and said the feeling is still here wow um yeah I've had other people say you know like they've just had like often people report on their homework experiences from the night before and they're often just like wow, I never realized that it could be like this, you know, and, you know, again, any gender, any sexual configuration, just like, wow, like it was so beautiful. And very often they're not even getting genital, right? Or they're not having standard orgasms. Like they're just coming together and feeling this extraordinary loveliness or contentment, peace, bliss type feelings yeah. And yeah, I mean, like sometimes people even have trippy type experiences as well, you know, with colors and altered stuff going on. But a lot of it, especially for people who are coming from a more um, standard place of like a lot of anxiety and stress, just to feel this utter contentment, <laughs> it's just like, wow. Yeah. And then you sort of see everything, you know, leave their faces and they just look younger and you see the couples and the you get, like the feeling between them is really tangible and and they feel safe. Like that's what so many people, I feel, I feel safe. Like I don't need to be doing this all the time. One person said to me uh, when I did a research project on this, she said, my bed is the safest place in the world. Yeah. Yeah. That's lovely. And yeah. And, and that's a couple who get up to some pretty kinky stuff, I have to say too. So like, I'm not saying that this is all sort of vanilla goody two-shoe stuff, right? Sure. If that's your thing, that's your thing. Well, again, I want to stress, it's not what you're doing. It's the how and the why what's within and then what's between yeah well beautiful thank you very much Jacqueline it's been a pleasure speaking to you you. and I hope everyone listening goes and has a lot of pleasure in the bedroom (laughs) by themselves with someone else (laughs) yeah absolutely like right yeah 
And it yeah. is very transformational when you engage in this way. It is. And I'm glad that we can speak about it openly. I mean, that's certainly something that's changing, even just being able to have these oh, conversations. Yeah. I think I'd feel slightly more embarrassed if my mother was listening. <laughs> but so, <laughs> so important. Well, thank you very much, Jacqueline. Thank you. Yeah. And thank you to all of you listening. Please take this as full permission to go and have some bloody fun. And aside from that, if you love this episode or know somebody who would, please do share it with them. And if you're curious to know more about these subjects, I'd also recommend you go back and listen to episode nine with another sexologist, Ariane Tornay, where we discuss sex, desires, fantasies, threesomes, cheating, and even polyamory. But in the meantime, I hope you all have a wonderful week. Take care. Bye-bye. Oh, 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 oh,